Hey, this is David Perkins, pastor of Radiant Church. Thanks so much for checking out our podcast. I hope and I pray that the content helps you grow as a follower of Jesus. We'd love to see you at one of our services on Sundays or maybe at our Bold Conference this summer. Remember this, those who look to Him are radiant. Morning, how's everyone doing today? Doing well, good, good, good. If you're happy and you know it, clap your hands. Some of you are very happy. You just kept clapping after the second one. That's great. Hey, um, welcome to Radiant Church. We are so excited to, to be gathering today. And it's really just a, a core conviction of ours. We love Jesus with unashamed passion. And we want to lift up the name of Jesus every chance we get. That's why we, that's why we worship passionately. That's why Katie and the worship team um, are up here leading us so fervently every single week. That's why we gather online and in homes all around the, really around the country now. We have people who join in from Nebraska, from Pittsburgh, or from Pennsylvania, um, Ohio, all over the nation. And I just want to say welcome. Thank you guys so much in the room and online. Thank you for being a part of the Radiant Church family. So I'm excited to uh, share, and I really do just believe that God has a word for us today. And um, if you want to, go ahead and open your Bibles to, to Romans chapter 12 and then 1 Samuel 17. I'm going to pray, and then we'll dive in for today. So Jesus, we love you. God, we thank you for what you're doing on the earth. God, that you haven't stopped moving, that, that COVID-19 has not stopped you from moving, God, that you're still in the business of changing hearts and changing lives. So Jesus, we worship you. We lift up your name today. God, and I pray that your word would be alive. God, it's your word. It says it's alive. It's living. So God, I pray that it would be alive inside of us in Jesus' name. And Radiant Church said, amen. Amen. I was reading an article this week. It was honestly, it was really fascinating. It was about this woman who gets lost every single day. So every single day, this woman gets lost. So as soon as she leaves her home, she gets lost. So when she goes and she takes a dog for a walk, she gets lost. When she goes to a friend's house, she gets lost. When she um, goes to work and comes home, everything that she does, as she goes to the grocery store, she's lost. And how many of you know people like this that you're like, wait a minute, this, is, this isn't necessarily an indictment on the the, the geographically challenged of us or the constant GPS users, but this woman has an actual neurological disorder that inhibits her ability to create a mental map of where she's at. Some of you wives are you're elbowing your husband right now and you're going, that's been the problem. I knew it was something. But there's an actual neurological disorder called developmental topographical disorder or DTD. And this article was talking about the disorder and how it eliminates that ability to make a mental map. So this woman literally had to move so that she lived in a straight line from her work. Because any turn to the left or to the right and she was done. Even if using her GPS on your phone, I don't know if you're a problem solver like me, I was reading the article in the beginning, I was like, why don't you just use your phone? Pull out your phone, put in the address, and walk, drive, do whatever. But even that, like, she can't have a framework of go two blocks and then turn right or go two blocks and turn left. It literally, this woman has no ability to form a mental map. Now, could you imagine how terrifying that would be to be surrounded in the most familiar circumstances imaginable and yet be completely lost? 
And I think if we're honest with ourselves today, many of us are experiencing the same type of feeling. We are surrounded by the most familiar circumstances imaginable, and yet we feel completely lost. We're all working from home. We're, we're spending more time with our spouses. We're spending more time with our children. We're hour upon hour in Zoom meeting or conference calls. We're surrounded and inundated with the most familiar circumstances, and yet we feel completely lost. And these thoughts that we have begin to take root in our, in our mind. And then all of a sudden what happens is we start getting angry at a loved one. We start having a little fit of rage toward our children. Or a situation or circumstance that would have been a non-issue with a coworker now all of a sudden has become a monumental issue. And how dare they think that? And how dare they try to do that? And don't they know this, that, and this other piece that completely changes what they should be doing? We have these moments where we just feel completely lost in the midst of familiarity. Because we see these, these deep-rooted issues inside of our own life. We're now coming face-to-face -face with on a daily basis. You see anger or resentment or bitterness or frustration or so many things that have, have been dormant in our hearts and in our lives, but we've been able to push by and kind of work our way around and find short-term solutions and quick fixes to, to appease the moment. Now, all of a sudden, we're face-to-face -face with our thoughts daily, and we can't get over them. How many of you have thought or said in the last few months, the more I think about it, the matter I get? Yeah, you're afraid to raise your hand on that one, but it's, tr it's so true. Why? Why is it when you think about the situation, maybe it's a, it's, a, it's a spousal issue, maybe it's your kids, maybe it's an employer or an employee or a coworker, whatever it is, when you think about that situation, the more you think about it, the matter you get. See, it's because our lives go in the direction of our strongest thought. And as you meditate and you sit there and you think and you stew and you fester on that thought, whatever it is, when you're thinking about that, you can't help but go that direction. The more you think about it, the matter you get. So our lives move in the direction of our strongest thoughts. There's little quick thoughts that pop into your mind and pop into your brain day after day after day, all of a sudden now they're starting to take root. They're living there and they're setting up permanent residence in your mind. And you're like, what do I do? Why do I keep thinking about this particular situation? Why do I keep thinking about this particular person? And why do I keep getting angry? Why do I keep getting frustrated? Why do I keep getting this? Why do I keep feeling that? It's because these thoughts are directing our life and are, are functioning as the compass heading of where we're going in our lives. Your thought life will always lead your actual life. It precedes it. A.W. Tozer, the, the famous, the legendary Christian author and pastor and preacher said this. He says, our voluntary thoughts not only reveal what we are, they predict what we'll become. 
See, our thought life predicts who we're becoming. The Apostle Paul wrote it like this in the book of Romans, in Romans chapter 12, verse 2. He says, Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God and what is good and acceptable and perfect. Paul's juxtaposing these two ideas to to be conformed versus being transformed. He's linking transformation to your thought life. Think about that. Paul is linking the word transformation. How do you become transformed? By the renewal of your mind. Paul's saying you can't be transformed until you think right. So he's juxtaposing these two ideas, conform, transform. And I want to illustrate them a little bit. I'm going to take you back to junior high science class. So if you guys can bear with me just for a moment, junior high science class, the word conform means essentially it's to assimilate. It's saying um, a gradual assimilation of ideas or thoughts. So osmosis in junior high, you learn about it and it's this, it's when you put two things next to each other, eventually one of them will fade into the other. Whichever one is stronger will push its way into the, the weaker. Paul's saying, don't be conformed. Don't, if you're constantly around and you're constantly pressing up against something else, eventually it's going to seep over. It's going to bleed over. It's going to push its way into your thoughts. But when he's saying, be transformed, we're still kicking it in junior high science class. He's saying the root word is, is metamorphosis. It's, it's an actual, a fundamental change of who and the nature of what exists before. It's the, the caterpillar being turned into a butterfly. No matter how hard that butterfly wants to go back, it can't. It's completely transformed into something new. It doesn't matter if there's a fear of heights. It doesn't matter if there's a fear of failure. The, cat, the butterfly can never go backward. It's been transformed. It's completely new. It's completely different. I'm gonna show you in the Old Testament, it's one of the really the most famous accounts in all of history, Bible or not, it's just a famous story. And it's the story of David and Goliath in 1 Samuel 17. This is just this legendary story. I mean, you can just be a sports fan and you know this. They, they allude to it every time there's an underdog playing the favorite. It's a David and Goliath story. It's this kind of moment, right? And in 1 Samuel 17, we see this account and what happens is this, is that we see the, the nation of Israel, the army of Israel being encamped on one side of the valley of Elah. And we see the Philistine army being encamped on the other side of the valley. So what would happen these days is that they would essentially meet in a valley, a low place, a flat area in between this mountainous region. And that's where the battle would be. So they would fight in the va- valley of Elah. So you have the Philistines on one side and the, the Israelites on the other side. And we see that the champion Goliath would start to, every day would start to come out, would start to strut out and say, hey, if you can beat me, you send out your best guy. If you can beat me, we'll serve you. But if I win, you serve us. Now in verse four, we, get this, we start to get this imagery of what Goliath looked like. And in verse four, we see that he's roughly nine feet, nine inches tall. Like that's, that's me standing on the stage plus another foot. Like that's, he's this tall. Like that is NBA coach's dream, right? Like you got to duck so you don't hit the rim. 
Like it's that moment. And then in verse five through seven, we see that he's wearing essentially about 125 pounds of armor. So he's not just tall and lanky. I mean, the guy is strong. And every day for 40 days, Goliath walks out and taunts them and says, who do you got who can beat me? I defy you to find somebody to beat me. Don't you have anyone who's willing to fight me? And for every day, imagine this, every day for 40 days, Goliath steps out and taunts them. So many of us, I think we have a Goliath of a problem if we're willing to admit it. See, a Goliath of a problem is, it's something that's holding you back that won't go away. So you can have a medical Goliath. You can have a relational Goliath. Circumstantial, your career, economic Goliath. It's, it's what is the one thing that's keeping you from reaching freedom? What is the one thing that's keeping you from stepping into all that God has for you? What is the one thing that just won't go away? Chances are that's your Goliath. This is so crazy to me because Saul's entire army, like the entire army of the nation of Israel became afraid to face Goliath. And then out of nowhere, this, this young shepherd boy, David, arrives and is like, oh, no problem, I got this. Like, what? Like David was not even in the army. David was sent on an errand by his father to kind of like schmooze his brother's commanding officer. They're like, hey, here's some cheese. Here's some stuff. Take it to your brother's boss. Like that's what David, that's the errand he was on. And he goes and he sees the situation. And then I love what he says. Look at this in verse, in verse 17. He says to, this, to King Saul, he says, let no man's heart fail because of him. Your servant will go and fight this Philistine. What? Why did David look at the situation so dramatically different from the rest of the army? You see, in, the, in Bible college, they teach you this idea. It's called hermeneutics. Hermeneutics is this. It is the, the theory and methodology of interpreting biblical text. Now, when you're studying hermeneutics, they'll tell you that there are some basic laws, there's some basic rules that you can apply to help your Bible reading, to help you understand what's happening. Because one of the core things when you're translating from Hebrew or Aramaic or, or Greek or Latin or any of it to English, to modern English, is you've got to understand that there is no punctuation. I just blew some of your mind. You're like, what? I mean, they don't have exclamation points. No. So one of the first laws of hermeneutics that you learn is that repetition equals emphasis. So when you're reading your Bible, when you, you see the same word, you see the same phrase, and you see the same thing repeated over and over again, it's a point of emphasis. Like, so when Jesus said, verily, verily, I say to you, he didn't actually say, verily, verily. He's saying, hey, hey, pay attention. Listen to what I'm saying to you. He's making a point of emphasis. So when David is looking at the situation, we see in verse 26 and 36, he looks at Goliath and he refers to him as an uncircumcised Philistine. David is emphasizing the fact that Goliath was an uncircumcised Philistine. 
why? See, I believe David understood that the, the nature of the battle was primarily spiritual before it was ever physical. David was alluding to the covenantal nature and the relationship that God had with the nation of Israel. And David was saying, wait a minute, wait a minute. God is not in relationship with these people if they are trying to oppress us, if they are trying to keep us from freedom, from walking in the victory that God has for us, then he's going to fall. That it doesn't matter if he's 40 feet tall, let alone nine feet tall. David was saying the battle is won spiritually before it's won physically. And because of that, we can have an offensive posture. We can take ground and keep moving forward. And we don't have to, to cower in fear because it's become normal to us. Normal is just what you've experienced or thought habitually. For 40 days, the idea of defeating Goliath was an impossibility. It became normal for the nation of Israel to accept defeat and know that they were never going to beat Goliath. David steps on the scene with fresh perspective, hasn't experienced 40 days of taunting, and says, hey, don't let anyone's heart fail them. I'll go fight them. I know who my God is. And I'm not gonna allow thoughts of defeat enter in my life because he is an uncircumcised Philistine, and we are the, the people of the living God. I'm willing to fight. There's a moment. What is the one thing that's holding you back? God always honors this posture of truth married to action. We see it over and over. We see David declaring truth. Who is this uncircumcised Philistine? Don't let anyone's heart fail them. I'll go fight him. Truth action. David runs to the battle line. I love that. David didn't walk to the battle line. He didn't saunter. He didn't strut. He ran. He said, I am going to take an offensive posture. I'm going to lean. I'm going to move forward. I'm not going to allow my life to be determined by other people that I'm going to move forward with the grace and the truth and the victory and the freedom that God has for me. And because of that, I know I'm going to see a victory. God loves truth married to an offensive posture. Look at it. David has an offensive position. Not only does he run to the battle line of Goliath, he, he tells Saul, I've already killed a lion and I've already killed a bear. I ran right at him. I grabbed him by the face and I killed him. Moses, raise your staff. The Lord speaks. He raises his staff over the Red Sea. The Red Sea parts. Joshua, shout to the Lord for the, he is giving you the city. Then later he says, have the priest step into the river. And then the river parts. Truth, God speaking, action. Over and over again, you see Peter, Peter Jesus saying to, to Peter, step out of the boat. And later to cast your nets on the other side. Jesus speaks. The word of God become flesh. Jesus speaks. Peter acts. God moves. Martha, Jesus says, have them move the stone. She, moves the, she has them move the stone. What happens? God intervenes and lays, raises Lazarus from the dead. But we've got to have the faith to face the fight. So many times we, we allow fear to enter our hearts because we allow those thoughts 
to run around the track in our mind, the fear, the anxiety, the worry, the depression, the doubt. We allow these, these ideas, these fears, these thoughts to stay and take up residence in our heart and in our lives. And because our focus has shifted away from what God can do, we fixate on what's falling apart. We fixate on what's going wrong. We fixate on the, the, the times that we feel like we've lost the battle. God wants us to live by faith, not just talk by faith. And there's a moment where we have to, as the people of God, say, no, 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 this is who God has created me to be. He has created me to have an offensive posture, to lean in, to take ground, to move forward, to keep moving forward, because this is who God has me to be that I'm not going to be conformed to the pattern of this world. I'm not going to look at a Goliath. I'm not going to look at a situation that screams impossible and say, that's where I'm going to live. I'm going to look at the battle. I'm going to fight to fix my focus and say, who has God said that I am? What does his truth say that I can do? And how can I take an offensive posture? How can I walk in alignment with that truth? Listen, you can't believe everything you think. So many of us think that just because a thought is in your mind makes it true. It could be the exact opposite of that thought is what's true. Not everything you think is true. So what's the one thing that's holding you back? What's the one area of your life that's holding you back? You see, there are five key areas or core areas of human flourishing. Spiritual, relationships, finances, vocation, and health. Google Trends revealed that since March of 2020, all five of these have seen a dramatic spike in searches. People are looking for answers for these five areas of their life. Why? Because they're left with their thoughts. And their thoughts are filling up. And their thought life is taking them a place where they don't feel victory. They don't feel peace. They don't feel the love and the contentment of God. But they feel fear, anxiety, depression, defeat. And we're looking for answers. When there's brokenness in one area of your life, it affects every area of your life. There's an old joke. This guy went to the doctor and he goes to the doctor and he says, doctor, man, my whole body is in pain. I just cannot get over this. My whole body hurts. And he's like, well, what are you, the doctor says, well, what are you talking about? And when he goes, well, my head hurts, my arms hurt, my neck hurts, my shoulder hurts, my, my stomach hurts, my legs hurt, my knees hurt, my ankles hurt, my feet hurt, just my, my entire body hurts. And the doctor looks at him and just kind of, and it's like, okay, well, let's, let's see, let's try this out. Can you touch your forehead? So the guy touches the forehead and he goes, ah, oh, it hurts. He goes, okay, well, what about your arm? Can you touch your arm? So he touches his arm. He goes, oh, no. Oh, don't make me do that again. Doctor goes, okay, can you touch your knee? And he goes, oh, it's the worst. Oh. The doctor looks at him and says, you idiot. You, you have a dislocated finger. <laughs> pain in one area invariably leads to pain in all kinds of areas of your life. And we've got to understand what we're trying to fix so that we can actually fix it. 
If you're just trying to fix a habit or fix something, you're going to approach it differently. So much of it is, it's in our thought life. It's in who we are. And we got to understand the nature of the battles that we're facing. Listen, there are three, there are three different types of battles. One is the flesh. Paul wrote about this. He says, what I, what I do want to do, I don't do. And now what I don't want to do, that's what I do. And I, I just can't get it right. I keep going back and forth. I don't know how to, what am I doing here? And it's, this is the, this is the donut analogy, right? It's like you want to eat healthy. Like we have Lamar donuts here in the morning. And, and I look at the Lamar, I look at the donuts and I say, I want to eat a donut. But I really don't want to eat a donut. But the donut looks good. It's got frosting and sprinkles and things on it that taste good. You know what I like, But I don't want to eat a donut. So how do I fight that battle? Well, I eat breakfast before I show up so that I'm not hungry when I get there and I'm not staring at the donut and there's sugar-coated lies and I'm like, what is what's happening with me? So you're gonna fight your flesh. It's the habits, it's the, the, it's the world. Paul was talking about this in Romans 12 too. He says, don't be conformed to the world, but be transformed. How many of you have had a conversation and then an ad for whatever you had a conversation on shows up in your feed and you're just like, What's happening? Marketers are trying to get you to conform to the thought processes. That they can get an p- image, a picture, a thought in front of your face seven times. Chances are you're going to accept whatever it is. And it's this moment where you can't be conformed to the pattern of the world, but you got to be transformed. How do you be transformed? By the renewal of your minds. Contentment in Christ. And then finally, you're going to face the enemy. There are going to be times when you face an enemy. Jesus said to Peter, Satan is asked to sift you like wheat. Jesus said, this kind only comes out by prayer and fasting. There are times when you are actually fighting a real spiritual battle. And how do you fight on that level? Use the word of God. This is what Jesus modeled when he was confronted with the enemy. How did he fight? He didn't say, okay, I tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to be a really self-disciplined person. I'm going to eat breakfast. I'm going to eat healthy. I'm going to drink lots of water. No, 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 he said, no, no, he was quoting the scripture. He was quoting the Deuteronomy, he's quoting the book of Deuteronomy. How do you quote the book of Deuteronomy? You gotta love scripture. But you can't quote a scripture, you can't quote a Bible verse if it's not inside of you. If you don't know it, it won't be there. You know, sometimes we face a battle and it's a battle of our own making. Look, I've been married for 12 years and there are times when, you just, you got to decide if you're going to wage war or not. After 12 years, I've just given up. My, like, I'm convinced if Rachel doesn't know to not put, like, the knives and forks facing up in the dishwasher, I'm, I'm not going to war over it. I'm a bigger person. I'm not petty. I'll just tell you about it. It's a, there's a moment, like, you've got to decide what are you willing to go to war about? What battles are you willing to fight? And I'm telling you, there are thoughts and there are things in your mind that will race into your mind, and that is the battle where you've got to start. To not allow yourself to be conformed to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. David won the victory. I I really do believe this because he didn't allow himself to sit and wallow in Goliath for 40 days being taunted. He said, as soon as I heard Goliath, he said, don't let anyone's heart be troubled. I'm going to go face him. He refused to allow a thought process, a normal thing that had been happening for the nation of Israel for 40 days to take root in his heart. 
He said, I'm not gonna wait another moment. I'm gonna run to the battle line. I'm gonna face Goliath. My approach to God, what is gonna be my approach to God? My approach to God is going to be that I have victory. That I can take every thought captive and make it obedient to the cause of Christ. You see, we have freedom in Christ, but we have to live and operate in alignment with that freedom for it to really take hold. It's like this. Christ has died to set you free, but it's like this. If you have an umbrella in your hand, it's been kind of raining this morning. If you are carrying an umbrella and it's raining, if you don't open the umbrella and get under it, you're going to get wet. But all you have to do to stay dry is open the umbrella and get under it. Your alignment determines how wet you get. It's the same with Jesus. You, you are purchased. You are set free when you step into a relation with Christ. He, you have freedom, but just because you have freedom doesn't mean you're walking in freedom. And your alignment determines the amount of freedom you're able to walk in. God didn't give the nation of Israel the law before they were free, before he brought them out of Egypt. He gave them the law after they came out of Egypt. Why? Because they were already free. They needed to learn how to live free. So it's an alignment issue. It wasn't a, uh, this is how you get free. It's not you have more self-discipline and you pull yourself up by the bootstraps and you work really, really hard because you're in Kansas City and we work hard here. It's not anything to do with that. It is, hey, Jesus Christ has set me free. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna move my life into alignment with him. Shame will drive you out of the presence of God. Fear will drive you out. But the presence of God is exactly what you need to overcome shame, fear, anxiety. They will try to drive you out from under the umbrella when you need to get under that umbrella. To walk in freedom, we've got to renovate our thought life. We've got to renovate the way that we think. How many of you guys have done home projects over the last few months? So here are two things that I've learned very quickly about home renovation projects. They will cost you more than you think they will cost, and they will take longer than you think they should take. I think that's true with our thoughts too. Walking in freedom may cost you more than than you expected. And it may take longer than you thought it would. But it's always worth it. What are we going to do with our thoughts? See, Galatians 5 says this. It says it's for freedom that Christ has set us free. How do we renovate our thought life? If we know that our thought life predicts the course of our life, if it rejects the way, where we're going in life, how do we renovate our thought life? How do we do this? Second Peter three eighteen it says, "Grow in grace and knowledge." It's the beauty of this. You can you can grow in grace and knowledge. I love that it's Peter that wrote this because Peter has this up and down trajectory. The entire gospel narrative. It's. Peter is great. Peter put his foot in his mouth. Peter did awesome. Peter failed tragically. Peter did this. Peter did that. I'm like, and it doesn't, what I love is it doesn't even stop. Like after, you think after the ascension, it's like, oh, Peter's great. He's the leader of the church. Paul was calling him out later in the New Testament. Like Peter was still an up and down guy. 
And he's going, hey, 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 I need you to know you can grow in grace and truth. You can grow in grace and knowledge. We can fill up our minds with scripture. I came to, I became a Christian at 18 and I, I didn't really have a, a strong background. So I just, I said, I want to learn, I want to know the Bible. I want to know what it says. I want to, I want to know scripture. I want to know, because when I looked at my family tree, when I looked at the things and I said, hold on, I think I see some battles that might be coming my way. Maybe it's, maybe when you look at your family tree, you look at it and you say, hey, there's divorce or there's adultery, or maybe there's broken marriages, or maybe there's this or financial struggles or whatever it is. You look at your family tree and you can kind of go, okay, I see it. I see a pattern going on here. And you're like, I want to, I want to, I'm going to fight this fight. I'm going to, I'm going to fight for freedom. So my children or the next generation can walk in freedom. I'm fighting this battle, not just for myself, but for other people. So I just started memorizing scripture. I just, I just, I didn't know what else to do. And I probably did a bad job of it at the time, but I just said, I'm just going to memorize as much scripture as I possibly can. So I took sticky notes and, and paper and I just stuck them everywhere. So I stuck them on my, on my dash. I stuck them over my speedometer. No, I'm kidding. I didn't. I, I did the RPM, but, um, don't do the speedometer. You'll get in more trouble that way. Um, but you just, I just stuck them everywhere because I just said, I want to know what the word of God says. And I just started trying to fill up my heart and my mind. I wanted to grow in grace and knowledge of the word of God. I love what David wrote in Psalm 1. When I think about David charging the battle line of Goliath and being so full of faith in that moment. I love that he wrote this in Psalm 1. It says this. Says, but his delight, he's talking about the, the man after God's heart, the person of righteousness. But his delight is in the law of the Lord. And on his law, he meditates day and night. Now, I was, I was preparing for this and I was just started to do a deep dive into this text. I was digging into the, the original Hebrew and to meditate actually means, it means to, to mutter, to read in an undertone. So, so many of us, and myself included, would approach scripture and say, okay, I'm gonna read it and then I'm gonna think about it, right? I'm gonna think hard about it. Right? You just like, you furrow your brow. You're like, what is that person doing? They're thinking very hard about something, right? But to fill up your mind with scripture is this, it's, but it's, it's, you know, just, it's like this. But his delight is in the law of the Lord. And on his law, he meditates day and night. But his delight is in the law of the Lord. And on his law, he meditates day and night. It's this perpetual, just speaking it over and over, kind of and muttering, kind of in a low voice and an undertone, literally just repeating verse and verse and verse and allowing it to t take deep roots into your heart. Because the word of God will displace any untruth that's in your mind and heart. As you fill up, your heart, as you fill up your mind with the word of God, it will literally, it will push out thoughts that are contrary to God's will. But it's just that muttering in an undertone. God, 
this is what your word says. Theologian Warren Worsby said it like this, if we speak to the Lord about the word, the word will speak to us about the Lord. So what do we do? We allow the words of God to take preeminence, to take the highest place above our emotions, above our feelings of inadequacy or failure, insecurity, or fear, resentment. We allow the words of God to take higher place than any of those. We look at scripture like Isaiah 55, 8, and it says, for my thoughts are not your thoughts. Neither are my ways your ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than yours. And my thoughts higher than your thoughts. We say, God, your ways are better than ours. They're bigger than ours. They're higher than ours. God, in your thoughts, they're better than ours. They're higher than ours. See, your background, your upbringing, your experiences, all the things that when you look back and you just assume are normal could actually be the furthest thing from normal. So many of us have experienced different things in our lives that are contrary to the word of God that actually come up against it. And to go back to what Paul said at the very beginning, he said, don't be conformed to that. A pattern is a normalcy. If you see that, don't be conformed to the patterns of this world. Don't be conformed to what you think is normal. Be transformed by the renewal of your mind in Christ Jesus. Renew your mind. Don't let it fall into the trap of normal. Normal isn't right. Be transformed by the word of God. See, our thoughts predict our actions. A.W. Tozer said it like this. He says, what we think about when we're free to think about whatever we will, that is what we are, or what will soon become. What are you becoming today? What are your thoughts? What are your thoughts that are holding you back? What's the truth say? See, our, our thought predicts our actions. Our actions predict our habits. Our habits predict our lifestyles. Our lifestyles predict our destinies. And I'm telling you today, starts with your thoughts. You can have victory over every single thought. The word of God is stronger. It is more powerful. It is, it is able to displace and uproot any thought that is contrary to itself out of your mind and out of your heart. That you can walk in freedom. I don't know what you're struggling with today, but you can walk in freedom. 
And I think sometimes right now, so many of us have just been sitting there and we're staring at Goliath over and over and over again. And we say we cannot possibly imagine a situation where I could have victory. And the word of God is saying in 2 Corinthians 5, it says, we destroy arguments in every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God. And we take every thought captive to obey Christ. Just imagine Paul a little salty writing that verse. You know what I mean? Like he calls it an opinion. Have you ever been in an argument with someone and you just looked at them and said, that's your opinion. Like you're feeling salty when you say that. He said, no, 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 no. We're gonna destroy anything, any opinion that's raised against the knowledge of God. And we're gonna take every thought captive. What does it look like though? It means not letting any thought take up resonant in your mind. Any thought that's contrary to the word of God, it's gotta go. Zero tolerance, there's no place. Every thought has to go. Any thought that's contrary to the word of God, it has to go. Psalm 103 says this, this is, for as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his steadfast love to those who fear him. And as far as the east is from the west, so far does he remove our transgressions from us. So many of us, we just, we wrestle with this this thought, well, yeah, that's great, Nathan, but you don't know what I've done. You don't know what I've said. You don't know what I've experienced. You don't know what's been done to me. You don't know who has hurt me. You don't know this situation or that circumstance that I've had to face. You don't know how far I've fallen. You don't know how bad it has been. And I'm telling you, even today, you can take that thought captive. Because that's, that's not what the word of God says. The word of God says, never have I seen the righteous forsaken. John 3, 16 says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. It doesn't matter the situation that you faced. You can have victory. You can walk into victory. I just want to take a moment. I just want to pray for us. If you're, if you're in the room and you're just, that's your thought right there, that you can't, you can't have victory. That, you, that God can't love you because of what you've done. That you've done too many things. You've gone too far. The, there's no going back. I just want to encourage you right where you're at today. That's, God sees you. He loves you. And he is for you. So if we could, just let's close our eyes just for a moment. And I just wanna, I wanna ask the question, is that you today? Today, do you, do you go, I wanna cross the line of faith. I wanna begin my journey with God. I wanna, I wanna see his truth and his word play out in my life. I wanna follow him. 
I want to serve the God that can actually set me free from, from my mind, the traps of my mind and the, the brokenness that I experience in life. I want, to, I want to serve that God. Just right where you're at, in the room or online, if that's you. If you're in the room, I just want you to raise your hand right now. If that's you. If you're online, there's a, there's a place you can just you can click to raise your hand just right where you're at. Just raise your hand and say, I want to I cross the line of faith. I want to begin a relationship with Jesus Christ today. And man, if you've said that prayer, we're just gonna, I want to pray this prayer together. Jesus, I give you my life. I'm following you all the days of my life. I give all of myself to you and I accept all that you have for me. I'll follow you. I'll love you and I believe in you. In Jesus name, amen. Amen, Rating, can we just give everyone who prayed that prayer a huge round of applause. They just made the best decision of their life. Amen, let's stand on our feet. I want to pray for you specifically and just even as we head back in to sing this song, this, this song is just is rooted in scripture. It's rooted in the truth of God. And I don't know what battle you're facing today, but I do believe with all my heart that you can walk in victory, that you can experience freedom, that God is for you, that his blessing it can be upon you. So as we sing this song, I just want you to declare it and with fresh faith this morning, all right? So Jesus, I pray for my friends. God, I pray right now, God, as we declare the truth of your word, God, we would experience freedom. We would experience victory. We would experience the life that you've called us to live, the victory that you've called us to walk in. God, that our Goliaths would fall in the name of Jesus. God, that we wouldn't look at the face of the problem, God, but we would look for the truth of your word and say we can walk in victory. God, and as we sing, God, I pray that we would declare this over our problems and our families and our homes in Jesus' name.